Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In week 14 of our series on the life of the Apostle Paul, Max Groene shares important lessons with us from Paul's missionary work in the ancient city of Ephesus. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 18 and join us as we learn to become imitators of Paul as he imitated Jesus Christ. So we are going to be at the end of Acts 18, starting in verse 23, and then we're going to go through 19.10. And so we'll start by reading that together. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus." And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And and Paul said, John baptized you with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, Speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with them, with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So that is where we are going to be today, and we're going to be learning to speak the gospel boldly. We've got maps, don't worry. Yes. Yes. So... We see that at the beginning, Paul is in Corinth, and that's where we left him off last week. And then we also see that um, he's going to Ephesus. But what I love about this map is it shows like all of this, but it says that Paul moved inland while Apollos moved kind of over the water. So multiple routes, but I didn't put all the routes up there. It's too technologically difficult for me. So... I want to keep you guys using your imagination. They are two different routes, but they went to Ephesus. (laughs) And so we're going to be learning to speak the gospel boldly. And the reason that I really like this terminology is because we see it twice in today's text. We see that Apollos began to speak boldly in Acts 18.26. And then in Acts 19.8, again, we see that Paul for three months spoke boldly. And so the three things that we're going to learn about speaking boldly, 
No alliteration, um, but that's okay. It's when you don't know everything through the Holy Spirit and for the advancement of the kingdom. So starting with when you don't know everything. So verse 25 says, though he knew only the baptism of John. So Apollos came from Alexandria, which is one of the, the second largest city in the Roman Empire. It also was a very big intellectual hub of the day. And so Apollos might have been around a lot of intellectuals, maybe learned a lot about the Old Testament in his time there. But it's very clear that the scripture says like he didn't know everything. He only had been baptized into the baptism of John. And then pretty soon in his ministry, he gets pulled aside by Priscilla and Aquila and basically instructed more into what he should be teaching, what he should know, what he should be passing along. And so I love that it says that he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. But this doesn't mean that he was some expert or that he knew everything. And that's abundantly clear because he gets pulled aside pretty quickly and corrected. Last time I was up here, I finished teaching and Dale came up to to talk about some discipleship opportunities. And I was pretty sure that I was going to get corrected in front of everybody. So I understand a little tension of what Apollos must have been feeling when he gets pulled aside and somebody says like, um, yeah, you're not, you're not getting it completely right, Apollos. So one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I've heard preached before, is this difference in education. Um, we're in the 21st century. We have a very, I think, narrow approach to education. So I came to the chapel as, I guess, almost a pastor who had almost never preached. As now I am a pastor who's almost never preached. And so it's crazy. It's I have all this education. I've sat through lectures. I've learned Greek and Hebrew, which I should have done better keeping up with since I've gotten here. I'm sorry, Hunter. Um, But I've sat through all these classes, yet I don't really have that much experience. And that's kind of how we do education now. We, We sit through classes and we learn and we learn and we learn. And then we apply for an entry level job with all this head knowledge and all these exams that we've taken. But that's so different than how education was done when Apollos is going around and teaching or Paul is sharing the word. So there is a show on Netflix. It's, um, it's called Blown Away. It's about glass blowing. Has anybody ever seen it? Yes. Has anybody ever like seen glass blowing? I know they do it down at Jamestown. It is so cool. So the real reason I asked this is because I'm going to explain what I learned from a Netflix show and I, maybe I'll get corrected in this. I have no clue. But I love glass blowing. Glass blowing is a trade. Glass blowing, you don't just sit through school and learn from lecture and lecture and lecture and then walk into a hot shop. See, I learned that word on the Netflix show, Blown Away. You don't just walk into a hot shop and start blowing glass because you read about it in a book or watched a Netflix documentary on it. You actually have to get an apprenticeship. You have to sit under a master glass blower and for years kind of learn on the job. And I love that. So here are some images of a hot shop. And then this is called a punty. Isn't that cool? And, and the glass gets blown onto the punty. And then you have to smack it. And the glass is supposed to fall off. So they put like water along the edge to soften the glass so that when they smack the punty, the glass breaks in the right spot and you don't just shatter your whole piece of art or cup or vase or whatever it is that you're making. But I just think that this is such a different way of education than we do things. In the 21st century, we live in a world that is focused on spectating. Um, We can pay a ton of money 
to go watch people that are bigger, faster, stronger than us play a sport or throw a ball farther than we ever could. Or we can pay a bunch of money to go watch musicians play music that is probably certainly better than I can play music uh, and sing better than I can sing. And I think that this translates into our, our faith. I think that we've turned church in a lot of ways into this kind of spectator event for us. We might show up on a Sunday, and I know I'm guilty of this for most of my life, show up to us on a Sunday and listen to a pastor explain the word of God to me because he studied it more than me in a class and because he has more life experience or she doing those things. And so I think that we do have this huge tendency here in the 21st century to not do things until we feel completely equipped to do them. And that's why I love what we learn from Apollos. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he went to a different city and just started preaching the word. Um, and so I love that we can make this kind of different, this, this, we need to make this, this, distinct, this distinction that Christianity is not a spectator sport or it's not even like all the other forms of education in our world where you just have to sit there and read and read and read and learn in classes and listen to lectures and hear people preach and then do enough devotionals. And once you get through your second read through of scripture, now you can go tell somebody about it. We need to go out there and speak boldly. We need to go out there and share the word, even though you still have questions, even though I still have questions. And I love that we're going through this series on doubts at the chapel right now, as we look at, particularly looking at, at Thomas, who gets dubbed as the doubter. We all have doubts. I, if I sat up here and said, I don't have doubts when it comes to my faith currently, that I have all the answers, I'd be lying to you. And, and Hunter mentioned that this text was really difficult. It was. I sat in my office this week saying, I don't know what to teach because I don't know what I believe about this. But I'm up here and I'm excited to be up here. And I'm really, really counting on the Holy Spirit to get us through this. Um, but that's the beauty about our faith is that we are imperfect and we will never be perfect as long as we're walking here. But God wants to use us. As, if we look through all of scripture, we see him choosing to work through people. And as we look at this text, we see people talking to people, talking to people. That's how God wants his children to come in a knowledge of him. And if we wait until we know everything, we're never going to speak the word boldly a day in our lives. And so I, I love this, that um, we, we can get to do this. Something that I think is really cool, what Apollos is doing, is he's doing a lot of apologetics. And so when we talk about these doubts or knowing everything, personally, I, when I came to faith, I didn't have a lot of these big questions of science or cosmos. Um, I still don't really understand how the universe works. Cell phones are a mystery to me, but I'm grateful for them. But I started reading this book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by a, a, a popular apologist named Geisler. And the reason I started reading this was because I was sitting on campus at William & Mary and having conversations that I felt very ill-equipped to be having. Um, some students who were science majors and studying physics or astro like astronomy and all these different things were like, they were saying, how can you believe in God when the universe is expanding in this way or that way? Or how can you believe in God when our DNA is so closely linked to these other species? And I just said, yeah, let me get back to you. <laughs> but it was really cool. I ended up reading through this book with two students last year. And it was so good for my faith, but really cool to see them 
coming to deeper faith or at least a more openness to experiencing the Lord because they were reading apologetics and understanding more. And again, if, if I just said, here's somebody else's number who knows this stuff better than me, maybe they never would have reached out and maybe they never would have read that book. Maybe they would still be out there just asking questions to people that don't have the answers because they don't want the answers. And so I think it's a really cool thing that we get to see Apollos out there sharing his faith, even though he didn't know everything yet, even though he only knew the baptism of John, even though he's going to get pulled aside by Priscilla and Aquila later and corrected and and trained more, he's out there. And it says that he's a great asset to the disciples. So that's the first lesson as we learn what it means to go out and speak the word boldly. We have to do it even though we may not feel completely equipped or have all the answers. The next thing that we need to do is we need to speak the word boldly through the Holy Spirit. And so the verse that I chose for this was um, Paul asking the 12 disciples of John, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they basically said, what's the Holy Spirit? But I see the Holy Spirit at work in this text way before Paul starts asking the disciples about this. So in verse 25, it says that Apollos was fervent in spirit, or it also could be translated as fervent in the spirit. And I love that. Apollos didn't feel well-equipped, so why was he out there? Because the Holy Spirit led him. He let the Holy Spirit lead him out to somewhere and share the word fervently. Um, I also believe that it was the Holy Spirit that led Priscilla and Aquila to take Apollos aside discreetly, to pull him away from the front. That's like, if Dale had critique for my last sermon, you would have no idea because he didn't come up and critique me in front of everybody. But we did, and we did. We had great conversations last, you know, last time I preached and kind of pulled me aside and, and discipled me and helped me see that in the same way that Priscilla and Aquila did. And I don't think that people can correct one another or rebuke one another or train one another in that way if they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. We learn about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, and 23. And those fruit of the Spirit are our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I see a lot of those in the actions of Priscilla and Aquila in the way that they're not concerned about their own glory or their own status, the way that they're so willing to pull Apollos aside, away from everybody else and say, let's dig deeper. Let's do some training. Let's, let's understand this better so that next time we come and we teach, we can teach more completely the things that, that we're learning. Um, I think it's, it's a hard thing to speak bold words to somebody. It's a really hard thing. And it's a really hard thing to do so in a way that's very humble and meek. So for myself, I, I, I came to the chapel when I was in high school. And then I went to the Virginia Military Institute because I wanted to pursue chaplaincy in the Army. But as I got to VMI, I became very lost. Um, I really strayed away from my faith. And I lived a life that no disciple lives. Um, and it wasn't until my last year of seminary that my mom actually talked to me. And she basically just helped me to understand the choices I was making. And she, it's crazy. I had already been accepted to seminary, but I was still very lost in my faith. And she said, Max, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I'm not going to let you be a pastor if these are the choices that you're making. And I really needed to hear that. Um, and it can be so daunting 
to speak boldly to people. Whether that be in public or in private, it can be really difficult to speak boldly to somebody. But if you're attuned to the Holy Spirit and you're listening to the Holy Spirit guide you in where and who and how to speak to people, then you will have those bold conversations that lead to people coming to faith. Now we get into a little bit of what was really confusing to me in this text. As we start studying the Holy Spirit and we start looking at multiple baptisms. So quickly, I want to say that the 12 disciples being baptized in the Holy Spirit is actually the only account in the entire New Testament that we have of people being asked to be baptized twice. Um, I was actually talking to Hunter. I was like, this is great. I've been baptized twice. Um, I was baptized as an infant in a Presbyterian church, and then I had a believer's baptism because that's what I came to believe when I studied baptism. But Scripture does not prescribe being baptized twice. So why? Why were they baptized twice? And what's the difference between the baptism of John and Christ's baptism? Which is really this linking factor kind of that we have in both of these texts as well, that Apollos said he knew only the baptism of John, and then we have 12 disciples who only knew the baptism of John. And so what's the difference? John's baptism is the baptism of repentance. It preaches the imminent coming of the Lord. It says that Christ was coming and that he would then baptize people with the Holy Spirit. Christ's baptism is in the name of Lord Jesus as the way to rectify situations um, and to express trust in Jesus as the messianic savior. And so then it gets really tricky for me because I wanted to understand when people get the Holy Spirit. Um, it says, and we'll get there, I'll put it up there. It says in Romans 8 9, Paul says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And then I was also just like, all these questions, like why, did, why was Apollos only baptized once, but these men were baptized twice? And so what I, I think that it all comes down to the Holy Spirit, that Apollos, while he didn't know everything that he was supposed to be teaching, it says that he was fervent in spirit, that he was experiencing the Holy Spirit. And then it, it makes a big point to say, even though he didn't know everything, he preached what he knew to be true. And then we look at these 12 disciples who have no clue what the Holy Spirit is, haven't received that, probably haven't really heard about who Jesus was. They're still living in this way that's saying, repent, get ready, the Messiah is coming. And they've missed the fact that the Messiah has come and the Messiah has died and the Messiah has been resurrected and has ascended to be with his father in heaven. They've kind of missed that. And so as Paul teaches them that, he baptizes them in the name of Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, yes, I'm glad that you've been living in this way that's repentant, ready for the Messiah. Let me tell you who the Messiah was and what he's done. And that's great. And then it just says that he laid his hands on them and then they started prophesying and speaking in tongues. And that is where I got a little bit confused. So I started reading a little bit about this baptism. And one of the things that I love that I read because it helped me kind of understand it better was from the pillar commentary. It says that the laying of hands on them is the climax of a single ceremony whose most important element is baptism and whose object is the reception of the spirit. But if we look through Acts, we see people receiving the Holy Spirit in a variety of different times. 
We see an account of people receiving the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. We see people receiving the Holy Spirit at the time or following their baptism. And then later we see people receiving um, the Holy Spirit at the laying on of apostolic hands. So in this account, and then in Samaria, there are those who have heard the word and believed it, yet hadn't received the Holy Spirit until Philip came and placed his hands on them. And so I'll be honest, I don't think I have all the answers. I don't think I can sit up here and tell you that everybody receives the Holy Spirit right when they're baptized. I'll be humble. I think I needed to go and do some more research and continue reading about this and understanding it more. But what I do know, like Apollos, I will speak in truth. And that is that Paul tells us that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so whether that be right when you're baptized or hands being laid on you, I'm not 100% sure. But I am sure that as believers, every single one of us should be living in a way that it has the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And if you don't feel like you're experiencing that, then let's, let's meet and let's talk more about that. We have some great pastors here who I'm sure maybe have a little bit better theology on this than I do. But we can learn about this because we are meant and created and to be living with the Holy Spirit. Paul is very clear about that. And so I think that that's really important for us to look at. And then as we see the Spirit coming upon all these different people through Pentecost and the rest of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, we see the Spirit coming upon people in very different ways. We see these 12 disciples prophesying um, and, and uh, speaking in tongues. But elsewhere, we see people who do experience the Holy Spirit that don't speak in tongues or prophesy, but they do have the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. Um, so I think that it's just really important. And, and Apollos being led in the Spirit to go somewhere. So the Spirit, I think, takes a different role in our lives, and He can do different things through us. But what is important is that as believers, we should be experiencing the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so if that is something that you don't feel like you're experiencing, or maybe you're, you're questioning or not being able to kind of uh, identify that within your life, let's have more conversations about that because we are, it, it is God's gift to us that we get to live with the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I often go back to the, the verses of Christ ascending to heaven and, and people saying like, Jesus, don't leave us. And he says, it is better for me to go. It is better for me to go so that I may send you my father's helper. It is better for us that Jesus is not here because we get to live in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwell within us. And so as we look about what it means to live in this way, what it means to share the gospel boldly, we need to make sure that as we do this, we are doing this through the Spirit, where he leads us to and to whom he leads us and in the way that he leads us to. The last thing is that this needs to be for the advancement of the kingdom. It says, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So I think that we can see so many different people in this text and they're speaking to different people, but it's all for the advancement of the kingdom. We see Apollos in Ephesus who is there speaking all the truth that he knows. And it says that he was a great asset to the rest of the disciples and that many understood because he was so well-spoken and well-versed in apologetics that he could bring many to faith and help a lot of people understand their faith. 
The Spirit led him to that city to speak in that way. We look at Priscilla and Aquila, who were led by the Holy Spirit to speak to Apollos. And had they not, his ministry would not have been nearly as effective. Through their private conversation that they had with him, the kingdom of God was advanced. And then we look at Paul speaking to the disciples, and then Paul in Ephesus. All of these things, all of these ways are to help them understand Christ. Um, I love I love Paul's conversation with the disciples. It feels like he had doubts from the very start where he says like, Did, didn't you receive the Holy Spirit? And when they say no, it was almost this confirmation that they hadn't, they don't know Jesus yet. And so these conversations and these questions that they're being led to ask are to advance the kingdom of God, that more people will come into knowledge of who they are. So I do a lot of work with students here in Williamsburg and something that's kind of a scenario that's kind of been ongoing is um, I have two students who have become really good friends, but they don't agree on a lot. Particularly, they disagree a lot on politics. And they've had some really hard conversations about politics. And they've both come to me really distraught about these things. And finally, one of these students approached the other one, and, and he just said, you know, in these conversations, I've seen some things that are worrisome. I've seen some behaviors or some ways that you talk to people who have disagreements with you that I've already seen affect you and end some of your friendships. And the other student did not receive that well. And so this first student who had that hard conversation with the other has come to me and he says like, what can I do? Should I go back in and like speak boldly again? Because I really feel like God is telling me to do this. And we've had a lot of sessions where we just prayed, God, are you using this student to work in the life of this other student? Or has he spoken boldly and, and maybe others are to come alongside of this other student and help them as well? And so I think it's really important that when that other student didn't, didn't respond well, maybe it's not his time to be there. Maybe he needs to pull a Paul and kind of back away. I love what we see in Paul withdrawing when it wasn't benefiting people. And I think it's easy for us to say that, like, um, this is a hard conversation. Let me just withdraw. We have to look at that Paul was willing to sit there in the synagogue and preach for three months before he withdrew with the 12 disciples and went elsewhere to preach. He wasn't making any headway there. Those that were there were stubborn and refusing to hear the gospel. And so Paul went elsewhere to those that were more willing to hear. And maybe that's the case for this, this student as well. But what, I, what I'm getting at is that we have to just, we have to pray and we have to listen to the Holy Spirit because we are to speak boldly, but not everybody's willing to hear it. And sometimes we can do it in the wrong way. I, when I hear speak boldly, I think of Facebook. Um, maybe that's because we just finished an election season, but it feels like social media is pretty divisive. Um, so as we look at, at speaking boldly, we need to learn from Apollos, we need to learn from Priscilla and Aquila, we need to learn from Paul. They all spoke very boldly in very different ways. If, if we see a status on Facebook from maybe another believer that we think is way out of line, let's pull up Priscilla and Aquila. Let's not comment on that post publicly to, to correct them. Let's pull them aside and using the fruit of the Spirit, be humble and patient 
Let's show some self-control. As we speak boldly about what God is asking us to speak about, we have to do it the right way. If we've been engaging with somebody and it is just clashing, let's take notes from Paul. Let's take a step back. And maybe the Spirit's going to ask us to re-engage with that person. But maybe he's asking us to go preach the gospel and speak boldly in a different area. I think that as we look at all of these different characters, it's very clear that none of them are doing this for self-gain. None of them are doing this for righteousness. And so I hope that as we go forward from today, that we can speak the gospel boldly. It needs to be spoken. There's an old adage that talks about, um, it said like, preach the gospel every day and sometimes even use your words. And I love that because it is getting at the point of holistic living and that we need to live in a way that preaches the gospel. But we need to use our words um, over and over and over again. We don't see Paul saying like, I'm just going to live this very righteous life. And then when they ask me, I'll tell them it's because of Jesus. We see people going out of their comfort zone. You know, before they know everything, through the Holy Spirit guiding them in public conversations and in private conversations, and always for the advancement of the kingdom and never for the advancement of self. We see people all through scripture speaking boldly. And so as we get ready to discuss, I think these are some questions that we can learn. We can talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit. How are we experiencing the Holy Spirit and how would we like to experience the Holy Spirit? Another one is, let's be very practical. Let's not just speak theoretically about telling people the gospel, but really What conversations can we have this week? Um, Are they public? Are they private? Are you flying somewhere this week or traveling and you want to say, I will speak to the person next to me on the airplane, but I will share the gospel this week. I will have hard conversations with those that I love in private for the advancement of the kingdom because the Holy Spirit is leading me there. So as we get into these groups, get ready to have some real conversation about sharing the gospel this week. And what a powerful thing. Um, The only reason that we're still on this earth and that Jesus has not yet come is because he wants more people, more of his children to know his name, that all nations would know it. And we get to play a part in that. And that's a great thing. Thank you for joining us for the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue learning lessons from the life of the Apostle Paul. For more information on the Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org slash men's breakfast. Have a great week and God bless.